This is fun. I'm going to hang out here today. Hello, you little bastards. You've made it just in time for the vocal minority with Nick and Steve, a la Brewski. If it's your first time tuning into the podcast, welcome to the show. You'll soon realize that Nick is very decent and just about as sweet as cherry pie. Oh. He's one of few that has never done anything wrong. There's a big part of me that likes to help elderly people across the street. Only I take them about halfway. <laughs> okay, and then I just leave them there. I find I'm still doing more than the average person, so it is what it is. Steve is a guy that's exceptional, exceptionally horny. You definitely wouldn't want to have him around your mom if she's hot, but you will want him at every party. Who brings their mom to a party anyway? He's about as loyal as one person can be, and he loves his female fans. Oh, I do. I got a fan under the desk. I got a big one over here off to the side blowing me off the camera. Steve Harness! How do I even begin to tell you about Brewski? His mind is a vault of semi-useless information. Useless until you need it. It's at that very moment that his oddly overgrown brain will seduce you like Fabio in low-calorie butter. It's time for another Brewski. This one is a crazy Brewski. You're right, dude. We get it. Someone get me some Cheetos! Can we please move on, dude? You're right, okay? Let's get the podcast going, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. Get over here, Nick. I'm right here, and we are ready to go. It's the Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve, all of Brewski, and welcome to the podcast. Yes, indeed. Back again. Find the website, thevocalminority.net. Social media extravaganza. Pick a platform or on it including Reddit, which no one has found us on yet. So go ahead and be the first. Yeah, go check it out. Uh, Harness has been putting up some good videos over this past week here. So we got some new ones up. Go check them out. Yes. I didn't realize we were competing with porn on Reddit, but when you're done with that, come look at us. You could always just look at the porn while listening to one of our, our shows and we do what we can. I think that's wow. not a bad idea. I've been told we all have sexy voices. You have? You have? Well, at least me. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> yeah, why would you include us in that, dude? I don't know why. Well, listen, I, in fairness, people say Nick and I sound alike, so if I have a sexy voice, you must. And a lot of people, especially women, love accents, so Brewski's voice would be sexy to many people. So I think yes. it's a fair statement. And we've debated yeah. having an OnlyFans page, so we got to have something going on here. That's right. We will get on OnlyFans, we will wow you with our voices, and we will rub our peanuts, dude. And it's uh, $9.95 a month. Right. I mean, that's a perfect business model. Right. People don't seem to care about our political views, but, uh, you know, if we're whacking off on camera, apparently some of you hey. will think that. So, yeah. Um, Welcome to the podcast where you get more than you bargained for. So uh, we just went through a big weekend of NFL action, playoff games. We made predictions a week ago, which ones of us were right. I was right on my prediction, dude. I was right. I went one for two. I picked the Chiefs, but I also had picked the Lions as long as the Lions kept running the ball and but they didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, were you so, really but, picking the Lions or were you hoping for the Lions? Were you cheering no, really, the underdog no, or I, you really thought they could pull it off? No, I thought they could they could pull it off, which yeah. they, they would have actually if if uh if they'd scored Ian more Cam points. Yes. Well if Ian Campbell wasn't a dumbass and went for it on fourth down two times because you gave the ball back to the Niners. That's what he times. does, though. He goes for it on fourth down. That's him. It's aggressive. But, aggressive but, but it's not just him, though. You know what it is? It's the nerds in his, his headphone. There, there are all these analytics <laughs> guys. You know what I'm saying? So every NFL team has an analytics team. And right. they actually sit there. Yeah, absolutely. I just pictured the guys from Revenge of the Nerds uh, sitting there coaching Dan. <laughs> I was picturing Screech, dude, from Saved by the Bell. That's funny. Well, no. No, they 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 have analytics people who who do the calculations. BT Dubs, uh, do you guys remember when we used to say things like "nerd alert"? That was nerd alert, <laughs> nerd alert! Look who's here! The nerds are ruining football, just like they ruined baseball. They've been ruining basketball for several years now, too. Yeah, get out of our sports, nerds! Nerd <laughs> alert! Yeah, go play D and D where you belong. <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, Brewski one for two. I was two for two from what I. I understand yeah i don't remember if i made an actual prediction or not i mean i was so torn with the nfc 
uh, you know, my whole West Coast family is big Niners fans, but I'm from Michigan. And boy, I felt my Facebook feed all Sunday before the game. I mean, all my Michigan people were just beaming with optimism that this is finally the year the Lions are going to do it. And, yeah. Ooh, boy, that Facebook feed has been real quiet ever since. So. Sure, dude. That's fun, though, when you have a losing team. Like, I remember when the Seahawks went uh, to the playoffs. The town was just electric, dude. I mean, yeah. so, yeah, I bet they were really stuck. And now, not so much. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. I think I predicted though that it would be the NFC versus Taylor Swift, essentially, and that is really what's going on now. So I suppose so. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Forty ers uh, Chiefs. Now, what are our actual predictions? Taylor Swift pandemonium side. Who do we actually think is going to win the Super Bowl? The Chiefs. Yeah, based on because I I don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Also, the Chiefs defense is playing lights out. Marcus Valdez Scanling, he mm. dropped so many passes from Mahomes this season, but now all of a sudden he's catching everything thrown his way. Wouldn't know? it be easier with the lights on though? Why would they go lights out? That makes no sense. <laughs> all right, so you're predicting Chiefs, huh? Yep, and I think Chiefs by more than the four and a half. I think it's closer to seven when it's all said and done. Mm. Nick, care? I I would bet on the Chiefs if I had to bet. Uh, I don't know points wise what it will happen, but yeah, I think the Chiefs will you know hold the trophy. Well, I hope they cover the spread. I'm putting my kids' college tuition on it, so I hope they cover that. But listen, I got to pull for the Niners, obviously. It's what my you know family out here is all into. But, you know, the Chiefs have the magic momentum behind them of the Patrick Mahomes, of the Kelsey, and, of course, yes, the Taylor Swift phenomenon going on out there. Isn't it a funny well, thing that you say that, dude, that you got to pull for the Niners because your whole family? Is it only for them, or do you like the Niners as well? Well, you know, I've said this before. I have uh, mixed loyalties when it comes to football, and some real sports enthusiasts hate me for saying things like this. But, yeah, I grew up in the Detroit area, tried to love the Lions. You know, Barry Sanders was great, but everything else sucked about them. They have not won a championship since before there was such a thing as the Super Bowl. 57. Right. They haven't, you know, been, you know, made it to the playoffs since Nick and I were in high school still. So they sort of beat my, you know, enthusiasm out of me as I grew yeah. up in that area. Then yeah, I moved yeah. to Seattle and we worked for stations that were the Seahawks affiliates. I went to games. We had one of the Hawks on one on the vocal minority here. So I started cheering for the Seahawks. Isaiah Kazavinsky. He was a linebacker. Yeah. And then, you know, moving to Northern California, my ex-wife was a lifelong Niners fan. So then, I, you know, I started, you know, supporting them and all that. So I, I don't have true blue diehard loyalties to any given team. But my son is just so, you know, over the top right now with the Niners. He, he met Kyle Shanahan two weeks ago, one of the playoff games, and yeah. he's just really into it. So I have a hard time cheering against, you know, things that my kids are cheering for. So at the end of the day, do I really care who wins? No, I just want a good entertaining game. But yeah, I'll be I'll be pulling for the Niners. You wouldn't you, fight for your team, do you? I mean, like physically get in a fist fight over no. your team. <laughs> Brewski, uh last week uh, when uh, Cross got to meet the coach, there was video of him. I'm assuming it was afterwards. Yeah. This young man was full of piss, vinegar, and testosterone, dude. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen Crosby like this because he's kind of a gentle soul, but he was like arms in the air, primal. Yeah, outside the stadium. I thought he was about to tip a car over and light it on yes. fire. He's not, Niners! The Niners! <laughs> Who's the best team? Niners! <laughs> like, wow. This so kid fun. is high on testosterone and NFL action. So, yeah. I guess my official prediction is uh, I really want the Niners to win, but I kind of think the Chiefs are going to pull it off, though. Let's keep in mind that Kyle Shanahan has already blown at least one Super Bowl for the Niners. He also blew a Super Bowl for the Atlanta Falcons, too. When he was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons, that's the team that the Patriots came back from 28 points down to win in the Super Bowl. And mm. um, because Kyle Shanahan was calling pass plays when he didn't need to, all he had to do was keep running the ball. So anyway, he's blown at least two Super Bowls. So don't be surprised if he blows another one, too. Well, hey, San Francisco's good at blowing stuff, right? I mean, come on. There you go. Thank you. But I digress. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. What did we think of Taylor Swift? Was she on TV too much? I, I barely noticed them cutting away to her, but I've seen other people. Oh, every time Kelsey did something, they have to cut to a picture of Taylor Swift. You know, she was down on the field afterwards and part of the big celebration. And I do think it has added to some of their, you know, momentum going on. They're getting so much attention from her. And, and uh, you know, as we've said on the show before, Taylor Swift is, 
at least top three most famous humans on the planet right now. So to some extent, I get it. The younger kids out there are getting a lot of grief for some of them that have started watching football because of this. And I mean, on one level, don't we want anyone getting into football for whatever reason? Who cares if it's you got a hard on for Joe Montana or Taylor Swift? Like if you're in the game, well, you know, isn't that a good thing? Why do you think the league is, is pushing flag football now? They changed the Pro Bowl entirely because no one used to tackle or anything that. at the Pro Bowl. Right. So what, what they do is they do this Pro Bowl games like they do dodgeball and a bunch of stuff. But then they the weekend culminates with a big flag football game. And what they're doing is they're, they're pushing flag football for everybody because you don't get tackled. There aren't a lot of injuries. And they're even pushing flag football leagues for adults now, too. Wow. Is this Taylor Swift's fault or Gen Z's fault? Who, who, are, you, who are you blaming? No, no, no. no. You're, you're talking about people getting into football who weren't normally before. So oh. this is another way for the league to pull more fans in. On top of the Taylor Swift thing is that they're they're pivoting to flag football as well so that you're getting fans that way. So you I, may not be playing tackle football, but you're playing a version of football, and now you want to watch the games. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen what they've uh, changes they've made to the puppy bowl either. You know, like uh, <laughs> I wait that every year. I mean that yeah. sincerely. Yeah, yeah, uh, the puppy bowl, dude. I mean, they've made some no more snipping butts. What? No, uh, yeah, you're not allowed to wear uh, colors of uh, real jerseys, stuff like that. You know. There's oh wow. A lot of things happening in the puppy bowl. So, you know, people are getting into football by any means necessary. I'm not okay with it, to be honest with you. I don't like it. Steve was trying to watch, illegally watch football this weekend, and uh, they're broadcasting it in Spanish only. You know, it's licensed here. It's not licensed here. You can hear this here. You know, come on, guys. Is this not America's uh, passion? On a Sunday is to watch a little football for crying out loud. Yeah, and now seriously, gotta... fuck the NFL and their licensing restrictions. They have licensed their games across so many platforms, and the restrictions that are on it. Somebody shared a password with me for internet, you know, uh, cable access, I guess. But yeah, it, it restricts all of these things because of where I live. But then it, it will it will let me watch the Spanish version, but not the English version. So I've watched multiple NFL games this season in Spanish. Which is not as bad as you would think, because the word for touchdown in Spanish is it's a touchdown. And, it's more, well, but it also sounds more exciting. I think you know yeah. the way those guys uh, actually call uh, like a real football game, and when I mean soccer, like is so exciting. So yeah, I'm not opposed to watching. Uh, a Spanish broadcast. And I suppose this is a, a newfangled technology sort of thing. And some of this will work out. All these streaming options out there. Someone's going to buy someone else. And I've seen so many people complaining about it. Don't you have local channels? No, I don't have cable. You don't but, need local. Rabbit ears? Anten- a digital antenna. It goes into the back of your, your TV because every local channel has to have broadcast so that people who don't have cable can get TV right, via right. the digital antennas. And it costs like 10 bucks. Is it uh, at all funny and ironic how far we've come that I have to now install rabbit ears again so I can get, you know, HDTV for free? I don't even think the Gen Zers would understand what a plugging a rabbit ear in. They think we're torturing pets right now. Right. Probably. Probably. <laughs> so, all right. Well, anyways, all of this talk of Taylor Swift and the phenomenons of the uh, Gen Zers finding us on football games and everything. We started talking off air here about uh, the Gen Zers. I I think they get some bad raps in a lot of ways and probably some appropriate criticisms in other ways. uh, Bruski, what was was the article you were talking about? So I had this article where they say that a lot of Gen Z workers, they have a a skill gap and uh, they're having uh, anxiety at work because they, they lack what they call soft skills. So things like how to give presentations. Uh, how to actually interact with your coworkers in the office. Because to them, it's not dealing with their small friend group. They don't do well with making small talk at the water cooler, quote unquote, you know? Well, and so many uh, of that generation would nine times out of 10 and maybe 10 times out of 10 prefer to text uh, or instant message. They That's how they talk. They don't talk all the time on the phone. Their communication skills are not that great, dude, in a lot well, of ways. And I will say this, when they do talk, when, when I, and this is what I've experienced in the backseat of my car when I'm driving for Uber, yeah, for some odd reason, they all feel the need to FaceTime. 
Now um, I don't mind. I don't mind if you're FaceTiming and you have AirPods in your ear, and then I don't have to hear your conversation other than the one side that I would hear if you had the phone up to your ear. Yeah. But it's it's when they have it on speaker, and I have to hear the entire conversation. And sometimes they'll get a call. They'll yell at their friend saying, "What are you calling me for? FaceTime me. I have to see you. FaceTime me." Yeah, it's they like, got to do a fit check, dude. I well, mean, that's well, well, important. Why, why? Why do you Well, it would be obnoxious, though, if they were taking a call on speakerphone, too. If that's the obnoxious angle, I get it. It's Otherwise, we sort of sound like old men here of, like, video phones are supposed to be the wave of the future. It's what the Jetsons did. Okay, but, but I don't need to see everybody I talk to. Maybe on a case <laughs> like my girlfriend or something, okay. But yeah. I don't need to see. Like, if you call me, Steve, I'm sorry, but more times than not, you don't want to see me, and I don't want to see you. When, when we're calling one another, you know? Yeah, I mean, there are some etiquette questions that I've always wondered about FaceTime nowadays. Like, yeah, what if I'm just getting out of the shower? What if I'm having a bad hair day? What if I don't want you to see me? But, you but know, yeah, I mean, this is, at some point, I think the audio phone call may just go away. It's supposed to be. I've been waiting for that since the 80s. Like, I can't wait for video calls. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we all watched the Jetsons. We knew that there was a chance that it would happen. Now it's here. And, uh, not everyone likes it. I think there's a time and a place. Sure. But I think that, uh, like Brisky was saying, the kids want to do a fit check, dude. They want to see, uh, you know, what's going on before they meet up and uh, kind of get the lowdown on what's happening in your town. So they want to see each other. All right. I think some of this is a tipping point, right? I mean, this is newer technology that the younger generation is better at. Sure. You know, I was dating a corporate person a while back there, and they were all always on Microsoft Teams. They were always messaging and chatting and doing video conferencing and whatnot with each other. Right. So on one level, you could argue the younger generation is more apt for these, you know, current modern day corporate world workplace things. But I don't yeah. understand why they're lacking so many other skills. Where did we learn how to do an interview effectively? Well, yeah. listen, dude, this is, I was telling you this a little earlier. My niece grew up being afraid to, uh, the best example that everyone can understand is, uh, my mom used to tell her, call and order a pizza, call and order what you want. And she had, was just stricken with anxiety over it because she was so afraid. Like, what if you ask me something I don't know? Or What's what do I deal? say to him? Like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. It just gave her so much anxiety. And I found out that she wasn't alone because I started telling people, like, can you believe this? And she was like, oh, my daughter wouldn't do it either. You know, uh, I just don't think they had to do it. Everything's done online. So they didn't get mm. the practice of it. You just go onto an app and hit a couple of buttons and it shows up at your door. You don't have to talk to people, dude. <laughs> right. On one level, I don't blame them. I don't like talking to people either. But, you know, I will say Neo, my uh, almost 18 year old, they have the same kind of anxiety. They don't like making phone calls to humans. Now, Neo is very good at job interviews and auditions. She's very good at talking to adults in social settings. But yeah, they have a lot of anxiety about ordering a pizza or calling a uh, a business and asking what their hours are or something. And I've I've tried to get to the bottom of that with her, and I I never get a good answer. But it may be part of what you're talking about that there is so much stuff now you can do without actually talking to a human being. And I, I've set up an entire dating life without actually talking to a human. Right. Well, the thing about that, though, is that those things that, that are giving them so much stress and anxiety are such low-level interactions. It's not like a job interview where you getting a job hinges on how you interact with somebody. Sure. You're just ordering food. If yeah. they can't understand you or they start asking questions, do you want cheese on that? Do you want ketchup and all that? Even if you don't know the answer, there's no consequences there. A hundred percent, dude. But I think part of doing everything online is also being able to, if you're asked a question that you don't know, like there's not a clock running on you. You could just go find the answer and then put it in. There's no pressure. These things are... Uh, create pressure for them because okay. what if i don't know how to answer well you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna sound like the old guy but you know what toughen the fuck up that's what i tell you and and just and just make a decision that's like telling a woman to calm down it'll work perfectly so. <laughs> no, i don't i don't care i don't care how how they react to it it'll just make you feel good just to just to yell at them about it sure <laughs> you know uh people would say like uh, Mo, my mom was like you're gonna call and order the pizza tonight if you want to eat Right. You have to, you know, do it. But well, and that's a good point because I have pushed Neo. Like, let's do this. Like, a, a large part of this falls on the parents. Bruce, you're saying that some of these kids bring their parents to a job interview. 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, this, the article says that some uh, managers have said that the uh, parents have shown up to the job interview with the kid and not only sits out in the waiting room, but comes in with them as well and sits next to them as if they're a minor at a doctor's visit. But whose it's- fault is that? Well, it's the parents. I mean, yes. come on, dude, of course. Okay, I would but, but uh, never do the- it. If you want to be treated like an adult, if you if you're gonna get out in the adult world, shouldn't you want to do something like that on your own? Yes and no. You should want to tell your parents, "Hey, I'm nervous about doing a job interview, mom and dad. Do you have any tips for me?" That's the proactiveness. I mean, yeah, you can just send them out and trial and error and learn, but the parents should already be discussing these things. Like, you've got a job interview Thursday. Like, all right, make sure you show up on time. Make sure you have a resume. Make sure you're dressed appropriately. You should be talking 75% of the time. You're like, you know, uh, this. I, I blame parents if they're the ones showing up with the kid. It's not the kid's fault for asking for help. Okay. But here's the thing. I got my first full-time job in September of 1989 after I graduated high school. My parents didn't tell me dress appropriately, show up early. My parents didn't tell me any of that whatsoever. I went, I filled out the job application at National Car Rental. I sat down with a manager and, and I talked to them and did the interview. Nobody Congratulations. Me. I mean, that's good. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't need someone to teach me how to do that. No, dude, but you are an all-star, and you no, figured it out a, by yourself, dude. It's Listen. Not, it's not an all-star. It's just just <laughs> doing for yourself, for God's sakes. Hey, now, but you're been, an all-star. Right. Get your game on. Get played, okay? Listen, you went and did it, and that's what I'm saying is that when they don't go and do it, you blame the parent because here's a great example. My sister, my niece was starting to argue with girls at school or had her first experience of like, oh, this friend said something bad about that friend. Well, her best friend's mom called my sister immediately and was like, we got to talk about this. We got to we got to get these girls back on track and everything. So my sister went along with it a couple of times. And then I was finally like, you have to let her figure out how to work that out without you guys yeah. being involved because yep. those are relationships for her whole life that are going to have issues that she's going to have to figure out. So please step back and try it. And she did. And it now she now knows how to say like, Hey, I don't like the way you're treating me and we need to talk about this. If not for that, it's the same thing. Like if you don't say, no, I won't go to an interview with you. Here's a couple of tips. If you want them, great, go. I'm not going. And I would probably argue, Bruski, your parents raised you in an independent sense. They gave you that confidence to go do it on your own. So if a kid does not have any of those skills and feels the need to go to their parents, again, there's a shortcoming on the parental side where you didn't give this kid even the basic level of self-confidence to go try it on their own. If we think that these kids have so much access to knowledge and and being able to google the, the proper answer yeah why can't why can't they go and look up online how to how to interview for a job properly yeah they should be able to but again i don't think anyone gave them that you know that confidence or skill set or anything else i, mean, that, that, I didn't that, that, che- i didn't train neo how to go do job interviews but they did it just fine probably because i gave them the basic level of self-confidence to be able to go trial and error it what i'm saying though is, is that if you can Google and look up a video on how to configure your home network, you have the ability to go look up how to effectively job interview. It's a different task, but it's the same principle. Yeah. And some of these, I wonder, like, is this really an epidemic? Is it really widespread or are we cherry picking a few you know, incidents and e- extrapolating it to all of them? Because I keep hearing about how Gen Z is so lazy, but then someone like Greta Thunberg, you know, goes out and protests climate change and everyone's like, hey, you kid, like pipe down. Like some of them are very proactive and very self-sufficient. And like every generation, a whole bunch aren't. You know, that's yeah. why the cream rises to the top. Like, I think it was the same in our generation. All my dumb, lazy friends are sitting back in Michigan still working at the auto parts store because they never had the, you know, the, the fortitude to go do anything else in their world. It's funny because well, I hear my brother uh, who works with a lot of uh, this age demographic who will tell me like, uh, you know, he's an old man now. He's 60. And uh, he says, uh, you know, like these kids don't want to work. They show up and they call in. I need a mental health day. Like we didn't have a mental health day. You know, (laughs) I'm like, oh, well, 
you have to look at some of this as maybe progress, right, with an open mind to say maybe we should have had a mental health day. Mm-hmm. I get it when you can't take a mental health day and you just got to pull up your bootstraps and go at it. But, like, some of this stuff that they are bringing to the table, uh, I believe the children of the future. I mean, you teach them well and let them lead the way, and that's what they're trying to do. So let them do it a little bit, right? Yeah, you got to teach them, though. But yeah, Bruce, yeah. The article also speaks about the fact that, especially first-time job seekers, yeah, they they have um, unrealistic expectations on how many hours a week that, that they're going to work. They call in on average once a week, and they think that even 32 hours a week is is too much to ask them. And then they and for that they actually want uh, they have unrealistic salary expectations because they see that their money doesn't go that far. Right. Uh, you know, but it's the problem is, is like, you can't ask me for 70, $75,000 a year for a job that pays 35, $40,000 just because you want to maintain going to orange theory, you know, for $120 a month and that sort of yeah. thing, you know, right. yeah. who's enabling this though? Like, shouldn't that weed itself out very quickly when you lose your job because you're only willing to work 30 hours a week? You would think so. But I mean, you're talking about a large percentage of the population that works at a certain type of job. These companies are putting up with it because uh, they're being forced to on one level. You know what I mean? Yeah. I saw Whoopi the other day on The View. You know, this new stat came out that essentially if you're not making at least $120,000 a year, you're not buying a home. Like a first-time home buyer, you got to be making low six figures to even qualify. That's assuming you can come up with the down payment. And, you know, Whoopi made this callous comment of like, of course these kids can't afford a house. They only want to work four hours a week. No, that stat is based on people working 40 hours a week, full-time employment. And even if they're making 80 grand a year, that's that's a great salary. But because of what has happened to our economy, you're not even close to qualifying for buying a house. That is not a laziness problem. That's a problem with our inflation and economy in the housing market. The economy is actually doing pretty good right now, Steve. And, uh, but I will say that I have mixed feelings on this topic i agree with you on one level and on another level i hear i hear my niece always say like i'll never be able to afford a house you know what i said the same shit when i was your age i'll never be able to afford a house the prices are going way up and you know uh minimal going up higher with it they're going up higher but they went up way higher for us than they did with our parents you know like some of this is happening it used to be very affordable to own a home. If you worked yeah. one income 40 hours a week, you could absolutely do the Simpsons thing where you've got this somehow four bedroom, two bathroom, two story house. Like that does not exist anymore. The and house my it, mom grew up in in Wichita was, uh, you know, three bedroom, a little menial home. $7,000 my grandparents paid for it. <laughs> You could pay that kind of money for a house if you were, you know, want, like you said, one income, the whole nine yards. But some things changed, dude. Uh, you know what Rachel did to buy a home? She went into the military so she could get a VA loan. Like, sometimes you're going to have to make sacrifices to get what you want. Sometimes you're going to have to have a roommate, you know, for the first couple of years while you get things taken care of. Like, you got to also be willing to play the game a little bit. It's not going to be easy. You don't just get a home. Yeah, but even if you're making a hundred grand now, if you're below that cutoff, you now have to have other people signing with you. So that's an assumption that people well, have luxury. I'm turning forty eight in a couple of weeks. I will never be able to afford a home. Depends on where you live, though, too. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you, when when Jen and I bought a house, we obviously couldn't afford Seattle, so we ended up buying right. a house in Tacoma in what they call an up-and-coming neighborhood there was still crime in our neighborhood and it wasn't the best the best neighborhood or anything like that but it was what we it was what we could afford it's the same thing i'm talking about brewski is you have to you can't just say like i'll never be able to own a home in downtown seattle well no you got to start somewhere and you got to build up to it like uh, i I don't think you guys are understanding though that post-covid things have exploded in a direction that is truly unaffordable it, most people aren't making 120 grand a year and cannot afford a 20% deposit on a house that's $500,000. That's $100,000 you have to somehow come up with. But you do, it depends where you live. If you want to own a home, go to Omaha, where right. prices what, have increased. Li- in it's, what are the average salaries in Omaha for a high. radio DJ? Well, high. 
So I'm making 150 grand in Omaha, really. If you move to a place like Omaha where you can get a nice home still for $150,000, you don't have to make $150,000 a year. But you want to live in Tahoe. You want to live in Seattle. You want to live in Boston. Like, you have to make... Not everything just comes to you. I'm not looking for it to come to me. I'm just saying, the stats back what I'm saying, that this is harder than ever. It was harder than ever for us. It wasn't, though. It was. It was hard when when we were relatively we were speaking. Right now, the stats do not agree with you. This is significantly harder for an eighteen-year-old or forty-eight-year-old. If you're what a first-time buyer, what does COVID have to do with it? I don't understand what COVID has to do with it. Well, it screwed the economy. It screwed the housing market. People were hoarding houses. There's no availability out there right now. Uh, cost of living has skyrocketed. But that'll and, change. That'll all settle back down. Well, we don't know that though. We do. It always does. It always goes to a certain... It's not going to stay where it's at now. What I'm saying, I know the statistics don't aren't the same, but when we were 18 years old, it was way more than our parents. And when they were 18, it was way more than their parents. It was way harder than their parents. Right. But right now, it's way, 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 way harder <laughs> than anyone else. We're making more money than we were, too. You know, I, know. I mean, it's, change. it's tough, dude. It's I made four twenty five when I was uh, I, when I was working at KBSG. I made four dollars and twenty five cents an hour when I could have bought a house at eight nineteen. Yeah, I I couldn't buy a house. Salaries are way higher, dude. I wish I had my stats sitting here so I could I show would. you guys that it is insanely harder than it ever has been in the history of this country. I Every generation, it. it's of course more than the previous generation. Now it's like ten times more than the previous generation. Yeah, and it's not the the original point of all this was Whoopi Goldberg saying, "Oh, that's just because these Gen Zers only want to work four hours a week." No, no, no. People working full time cannot afford to be a first time home buyer right now. You're you're not making 120 grand. And by the way, that's assuming you have no other debts, no other student loans, no other anything else to be able to qualify at 120. And then you got to come up with a $100,000 deposit. I mean, I was going to say, Steve, uh, you asked what you could do to be able to, to qualify for a home. Sure. I think we covered that in the first hour. Get your butthole raped, dude. You want to get raped in the butthole. Like I said, harder than ever to be able to qualify. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's worth it. All right. So all, uh, uh, my point is on some of this Gen Z bashing is that I think some of it is correct and appropriate. Some of it, though, is we're assuming all of these Gen Zers don't know how to qualify or how to show up for an interview. And um, I have a list here of things that apparently bother the Gen Z generation. And these are things that conservatives are dubbing them snowflakes for caring about. Would you like to hear some of the things on the list? So we can determine, do we make fun of them for standing up for these things, or is this what they should be standing up for? Give it to us, dude. Give it to us hard. Uh, I'll give it to you hard if it's worth $10 million to me. Uh, First thing on the list, and these are things, the snowflake generation uh, that anger Gen Zs. Discrimination. Gen Zers are against people being discriminated against. Where do they get off? (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously, we agree with that, dude. Come on. That's a good one. Yeah. Discrimination can offend anyone. It can be based on color, race, gender, caste, uh, region. Gen Z is growing with the deep concept that all humans are equal. These stupid fucking kids. (laughs) Yeah. But let's, let's, let's be honest, though. I mean, sometimes they see what they perceive as discrimination where it do, where it's not actually happening. Give me an example that you see Gen Zers fighting for where they shouldn't be. I hear them in the car all the time where they'll say somebody makes a comment about, about I don't know, some woman, and, and they automatically assume that the reason why they made that comment was because she was Asian. But the person didn't say an anti-Asian thing. They just say, well, that's just because she's Asian. Or, you know what I mean? Like, well, I hear it, I, and I can only go by the conversations I hear in the backseat of my car while I'm driving. Is it better, though, to be hypersensitive to the issue or just ignorant of it and, you know, not paying any attention to it? But see, not, but th- th- now you're, you're giving black and white examples. There, there are shades of gray in the middle. It's called critical thinking. You, Ever you know heard what of I mean? <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying that some groups of people out there don't care at all about discrimination. So and, if and your I, point is the Gen Z care too much, then. No, I'm not saying they care too much. But what I'm saying is, is use your brain and, and don't <laughs> don't claim there's discrimination someplace if there really isn't. 
yeah. because because then when there when there is discrimination, then it, it diminishes. You don't get it. enough attention I, to it. You know, yeah, I, everything can True. be discrimination. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but it's nice to have uh, generation focusing on that we are all created equally. I like that. Yeah, do you guys know Jeff Dye, the comedian? No. Uh, he's from Seattle, actually. He was on Last Comic Standing years ago and uh, was one of the finalists. He's a funny dude. And it just I, I'm circling back to my point here about the parents kind of dropping the ball with yeah. a lot of this stuff, you know, not teaching their kids either the basic skills to look it up, like Bruce was saying, or the basic confidence to go figure it out your own trial and error. Right. Uh, Jeff Dye was on our radio station here in, in Tahoe a few years ago, and I, I think our morning show guy had played a bit about tr- uh, participation trophies that this generation, everyone gets participation trophies for everything showing up. And, and yeah. he put it to Jeff Dye, who was a young comedian at the time. Like, so what's your take on, pers- uh, you know, participation trophies, you guys get them for everything. Right. And, and Jeff Dye said, yeah, we did get them for everything. You know who gave it to us? The older generation. We didn't come up with participation trophies. It's our fucking parents that thought we deserved a, a pat on the back and a pity vote for everything. So is it our fault for taking the participation trophy or the older generation's fault for making them in the first place? Funny, I'm rebelling against it. When they offer it to you later on in life, say, you know what? That, that wasn't good for me when you gave it to me as a kid. I don't want it now. You're well, that was trained, kind of part of his point, but I don't think a 10-year-old's going to fight the power and say, I don't need this. Like, oh, you're giving me a trophy? That's cool. And by the way, is it so bad to say, hey, your knowledge for being part of the baseball team? There's yes. a difference between a participation trophy and the league championship trophy. They're not stupid. Uh, I, uh, I wholeheartedly disagree with participation trophies. Uh, yep. If you want to give me like, you know, hey, you get the team uniform, you know, because, yeah, we're on the baseball team. But a trophy yeah. is meant for celebrating something unique and individual. Yeah, in that's fine. And, and I, I, I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying, like, it's not the kid's fault that we, the older generation, were giving them these things I to agree, help dude. to they feel better about it. Yeah. Well, we're not going to hold better. them responsible for anything, are we? I'm, uh, I think Steve is saying that we have trained them in some ways, and you're looking for these yeah. children to be individuals, and maybe, uh, maybe they will as they get a little bit older. But when you train a child, as we have seen, with certain things, uh, their brain develops around that, and that's how they move forward in life, whether that's with religion or racism or, yes. you know, hopefully. When you set them up to them. fail, whose fault is it really? The person that set them up Apparently to fail? Apparently not theirs because nothing's ever their fault. <laughs> okay. You're entirely missing my point, but that's all right. Okay. All right. Next thing on the list, Gen Zers are upset about. Uh, are they whiny? Uh, I don't even know what this is. Market sheet race. Do you know what this is? No, I have never heard of it. Market what is it? sheet race, you say? Market sheets are the measurement tool to check the ability and intelligence of students. Standardized testing is what this was. Oh. Uh, but as the world has changed, uh, can we really do standardized testing anymore? Um, I hate standardized testing because, yeah, I agree. It teaches It teaches you to take that test well. It doesn't teach you to succeed in life well. And there's yeah. so many of our school systems that are set up. They get their funding based on standardized testing results. Yeah. So they're teaching these kids to do the test well, as opposed to giving them a wide, you know, uh, a wide plate of education that then you pick from for these standardized tests. So it's also casting aside a large portion of the population. Uh, and I battled this when I was in school, dude. I was terrible at taking tests. And a lot of the uh, subjects that I was really good at, I learned differently than the majority and the way the teacher was teaching but with a little adjustment i was brilliant at it and these standardized tests you know you're either smart or you're dumb and those dumb people get cast aside dude and they are left behind and that's a big problem yeah i would agree I saw an interesting one where there was some question on one of these tests for like elementary kids of like what room in your house does the bed belong in and everyone's like, you idiots, obviously it's the bedroom. But they interviewed some of these kids where they're like, you know, we can't afford a four-bedroom house, so my bed's in the, the living room. I sleep in the living room. So my answer was living room, and I got it wrong. Like, Standardized right. testing really is, makes wide assumptions that we're all on the same page. For sure. Yeah. No, so, I'm good with that one, dude. Uh, gender inequality, the next one on the list. Like, again, I, I don't see why this is a Gen Z thing. I mean, the, the hip 
P generation was fighting for, you know, equal treatment of women and minorities and stuff. Haven't, hasn't this thread been through every generation of fighting for equality? I would think more so we're just passing the torch at this point because, yeah, I mean, I uh, my generation fought for equality. The one before mine did. The one before mine did. So, right. yeah. And it's expanded a bit. I mean, I know we're, you know, more accepting of, uh, of, of gay or transgender or this thing you were telling me about of basically hermaphrodites that I've... I knew was a thing as a maphrodite, but you're saying it's way more widespread than we had realized. So maybe there's more topics they can be fighting for, but yeah. since when is fighting for equality either a generational thing or something we should be making fun of them for as snowflakes? Yeah. No, I disagree with that wholeheartedly, dude. What are we talking about here? I mean, yeah. uh, women can vote now. That's great, right? Yeah. And, and as we continue... More generations bring this to the forefront. We're seeing more women CEOs. We're seeing more black-owned business. Like, this is a positive thing. Yeah, and there are generational changes. I mean, we used to make fun of people for being uh, for being gay. Let me rephrase that. Not that they were gay. That was just a common thing to call someone on the playground. Oh, you, you're, you're a fag. You know, you can't throw the football very well. Like, we've, we've grown out of that. We've realized, like, all right, that's not really cool to be calling someone that because now we've all become a little more educated. But there are people out there that would say it's perfectly fine to call someone a fag or retarded or whatever it is, you know? It's obviously not. So grow up and gain some emotional intelligence. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But... What about body shaming? Something Gen Zers hate. Is this not something okay. we can all agree upon? That body shaming is not a okay, good thing? But, but, but here's the thing, though. We're not supposed to body shame somebody that weighs 500 pounds. Like, we're not supposed to say it's really unhealthy for them to be 500 pounds. And if you say that, then they consider that body shaming. But isn't that just stating a fact? There's actually a thing that's out there now, and I believe it was going on in Seattle, called FatCon. And it was all about, you know, accepting fat people for who they are, no matter what their size is. If that's how they are living, then we need to just accept it and not uh, say anything that may seem like we're body shaming them at all. I, I, I Here's where I get confused, because I agree, Brewski, in the fact that, like, if you're 500 pounds, you are obese. I mean, technically, I'm morbidly obese when I go to the doctor. Uh, the deal is, is I don't have anything to say to you. Like, if you're fat, you know, if do you want me to love the way you look? Is that what you're asking of me? Or do you just not want me to call you fat? Because that's what I think body shaming is, is like if I start name calling, you're a fat pig, then, yeah, I, I'm not going to do that anyway. So uh, I, I don't have to worry about it. We shouldn't be talking to people about their weight unless, again, we're good friends with them and uh, we think, oh, Maybe your health is in harm's way. Or they but, ask you about it. Yeah, or they ask you about it. Otherwise, yeah. if people are fat, just let them be. I mean, there's nothing to say about it. Yeah, I would agree. As far as body shaming, to me, implies that you're actually belittling someone, making fun of them. Right. As opposed to being like, you know, hey, man, like, are you are you healthy? <laughs> you seem a little overweight. You ever think about doing a little exercise or something like there's a difference between being concerned about somebody's you know morbid obesity versus a uh, body shaming them and i'll and tell you something when we were when we were in high school the three of us like uh um you know it was a big joke that uh you know uh, having sex with a fat girl was like riding a moped <laughs> like don't let your friends see you like it was uh you know you didn't want to hear that mopeds <laughs> But you know what? It's so much more acceptable now for people to come out and be like, I like a girl with a little weight on her bones, or I like fat girls. You know, it's it, we didn't ever used to hear that. It was always closeted. Now people just come out and say, like, I love the fatties. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> and also, by the way, body shaming goes the other way, as I've uh, discovered in the last year of my life. I get very irritated when somebody sees me for the first time in a few years and they comment on how thin I am or comment like, are you sick? Do you have cancer? Like, I don't appreciate that either. How about yeah. you just, how about we all just not comment on each other's fucking bodies? You know, that's, like, that's if you're not smart deal. enough to know that being morbidly obese is not healthy for you, then maybe I just shut the fuck up about that. And you don't tell me to go eat a cheeseburger because you think I'm underweight, you know? Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea, dude. Do you get a lot of people shaming you? I do, especially people that haven't seen me in a few years. 
Uh, I just saw an attorney a couple of months ago that I, you know, worked with and now I'm dealing with again. And he walks out in the lobby to greet me. And the first thing he says is, boy, you're wasting away. You healthy? What's going on with you? Like, how about I'm in shape and I'm taking care of myself? (laughs) Like, why? Because I lost weight. Do I have to have AIDS? It's inappropriate. Has anyone ever asked you if you had cancer? Well, they've asked me if I'm sick. Or ask me, did you lose the weight on purpose? Which the obvious implication is that I must be dying of something. (laughs) Right. And if you want to be a little overweight or whatever, if you're into the girls with curves, yeah, that's all fine. Like, I think maybe the point here is just, you know, they're becoming more sensitive about people commenting on bodies, big, fat, or otherwise, and skin colors and gender and, you know, sexuality. Like, maybe you just let people be them. Yeah, Lizzo. Thank you, Lizzo. Thank you for bringing that to the forefront, you flute-playing bastard. Right. Uh, here's another one that uh, Gen Zers apparently get made fun of for being the snowflake generation because they're sick of people trying to disprove climate change. I would be, too. I mean, I am, but I would be, too, if I was them. I'd be like, uh, dude, we got to live on this planet long after you're gone. What are you doing? Right. I mean, they are more probably sensitive to the issue because a bunch of old white guys, you're not going to be around much longer. We right. got another 80 years on this planet, so maybe we're a little more fired up on the topic. Totally. And we rail on this all the time, people that are anti-science. I mean, I don't know that this is exclusively a Gen Z thing. Don't think so. I mean, I have got everything you mentioned so far. I've got some of it in me. Yeah. Uh, And here's another one we've talked about before. Uh, Believing in illogical traditions. Some traditions and customs have been followed for the ages. People do not know their meanings or origins. In other words, Christmas, like it doesn't have to be about Jesus. It could be about reindeers. Easter doesn't have to be about Christ resurrecting. It could be about the Easter bunny. I'm so crotchety when it comes to this, and 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 admittedly so. Like, I understand it's uh, probably not the right thing to say, but, like, just can we just leave some stuff alone? <laughs> my, leave these traditions alone. Like, we got to change everything. And I realize that sounds crotchety, dude, but there's some things I just want to leave alone. Like Christmas and Easter? Is that what you're talking about? Sure. I mean, I, mean, I don't going on way before Gen Z. I didn't grow up with Christmas being a religious thing in my house. Yeah, but you never made a big deal of it. Like, hey, we got to not say this. You know, we shouldn't do this. My, you know, I told you about a friend of mine who was going to put up a Christmas tree at work, and somebody came out and was like, "That's a religious symbol. I won't have it in our office. This is a shared workspace." Technically, it's a pagan symbol. Now, technically, it's a freaking Christmas tree, dude, with ornaments on it, and it makes people jolly. I mean, that, yeah, if you want to put up a menorah, I'm, just, I'm fine with it, too. Like, I don't well, care. Yeah. I think that's buying into the fake war on Christmas that Fox News single-handedly invented 20-something years ago. Yeah. Where people are hypersensitive now about saying Merry Christmas because they think it's going to offend someone. Show me someone that's offended on any wide scale. If someone well, wishes me Happy Hanukkah, I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to say, right. hey, happy, I appreciate that. Happy, happy Hanukkah to you, too. Like, it's totally. a that people are really offended by that, but people have bought into it. Wait. So. Like what you're but talking. you know what though? It's it's a winner for Fox though. They make so much money off of it every right. single holiday season. Absolutely. You know, and and they and they know it's bull. I mean, they know sure. just about everything. They, but it it brings the money in because those idiots believe everything that they say. Yeah, yeah. Scaring people. It's what the news does well. And I don't know. I think part of what I'm seeing here too with some of these discussions we're having is. We've had the advantage of being young and dumb, growing up and looking back and going, okay, it's not okay to call someone a fag. I've I've grown up and I've realized that shortcoming. Some of the Gen Z issues, they haven't had the luxury. You know, Bruce, was saying, like, are they going to take accountability? Well, they got to grow up to be able to look back and take accountability. So I think if you look at any current generation, you can pick them apart for the pros and the cons, and you can judge them by the weakest link in the chain that look at these idiots. That's what Fox News does all the time. They find one example of a liberal who wants to ban the word uh, menopause because it's got men in it. Like, okay, I know one moron said that, but you can't extrapolate that to all of them. Right. Yeah. Now they do have to have time to grow up, dude. Uh, we're picking apart and Monday morning quarterbacking a generation that is not even fully developed yet. And let the hurt thin itself, by the way. If some kid can't show up to an interview with any level of competence, then 
okay, you're not getting the job, and the kids that I've trained, uh, they will get the job, or the kid that's like Brewski said, just brave enough to go try it for themselves. Like, isn't that what this is all about? Letting the strong survive, the cream rise to the top. Isn't this yeah in every generation? I mean, Elon Musk's mom just got involved in a job for him with President Biden. Dude, do you remember? <laughs> yeah, she my, tweeted. You leave, my, uh, you leave my boy alone. Right. Dude, my dad was awesome at every uh, you know radio broadcast remote that I ever did. He would usually show up, and if the boss, if you know the boss was there, the program director, uh, you know, I'd introduce him or whatever, or say hi. Uh, are you gonna? When are you gonna give my son a raise? He would always say that. <laughs> when are you gonna give this guy a raise? And I would think, oh man, you made that really uncomfortable for them, and I love you for it. Right. <laughs> That's the highlights of my list. So you love Gen Z is what you're saying? I don't know that I love any generation. I love the good of any generation. We've got a whole bunch of morons in our generation that I don't love. We're the forgotten generation, dude. I mean, we really are forgotten. Oh, hmm. I'm okay with that, though. Yeah, I'm fine with that, too, Brisky. It makes me feel the, la- the last of the feral children. That's what I always say. That's right. Yeah. And we spread our butt cheeks and we move forward in life. You know what I mean? Like we march forward. Hey, let me throw one last quick thing out at you that I saw in the news today about Gen Z, really. What do you guys think about captions when you're watching TV or a movie? I don't, I'm not talking web videos on your phone. If you're watching a TV show or a movie, do you want the captions on? No. And I personally don't, but Rachel always has them on, so I've learned to live with it. Really? And what, what does she say as to why? Uh, she initially started putting them on because she was running on the treadmill and like, couldn't hear very well. So she'd want to, you know, see him, hmm. but then she got so used to it. She's got a little, uh, bad hearing from uh, shooting a rifle too much and can't hear out of one ear very well. Right. So she likes having them on now. So I've just kind of learned to deal with it. Interesting. I mean, I've I got that say- years from uh, drummers are all around me, but I hate captions. Uh, I guess, a, it distracts me from the moment of the show or the movie, and B, I often read ahead before the person said the dialogue. It just takes me out of it. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Bruce, I will tell you, it's, it is fun to have captions on if you're watching King of the Hill and Boomhauer is is on the screen. Why is that? Oh, you never watched, forget it. <laughs> For anyone in the audience who's never watched King of the Hill, no, I haven't, I've, I was never a fan of the show. Oh, okay. Anyway, it is a character that is is just difficult to understand when he speaks. So uh, when when he speaks and they have the captions on the bottom, it's just kind of funny. It's almost like if you watch the movie Snatch with uh, right. Brad Pitt when he plays the part of Mickey, the, the Irish traveler boxer. Right. And at one point, Jason Statham says to his friend, did you understand a single word of what he just said? He's speaking English, but you can't understand what the hell he's saying at you all. You really can't. That was right. a tough movie to watch because of that. I do like some of the auto-generated captions I see on web videos because they often get the words completely wrong. Totally. And it's funny to see what they translate, you know, the spoken word to. But, yeah, I don't know. The point of this news story was that the Gen Zers apparently want to have captions on now on just regular TV and movies because they become so used to it on all these web videos. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Sometimes Rachel and I will hit mute on the TV and just have the captions up there, and I will play a character, and she'll play a character, <laughs> and we'll just read back and forth through each other. Well, it's because you guys are awesome. That's why that makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's true. But yeah. Drives me hey, nuts. But you know, that's that's video that we need to see. You just set up a camera and and, and I'll do record that sometime, it for you. and yeah. then we can post some video online. Sure. Do I'll a little TikTok video yes! over the generations. You know. There we go. Yeah, I like it. Well, fellas, uh, we love you, Gen Z. Brewski really loves you, and we appreciate you listening to our podcast. <laughs> We've got a webpage, thevocalminority.net, with a lot of social media videos there you can go check out. We've got the captions on for you. We don't, actually. I never put captions on those things. But. You don't have to talk to anyone. Don't, you don't have to tell them that. Make them go look for it. Dude. Oh, yes. Go find it all. You're coddling them, Stephen. Right. Sorry podcast will be back next week with a couple of episodes until then we say thank you and brewski goodbye brewski and we say bye-bye test one two test one two check 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 ladies and gentlemen this is the vocal minority with nick and steve nick reynolds steve harness and cousin brewski the vocal minority with nick and steve take one